then I have hit start recording. Okay. I I would like less structure than last time, than the last episode. Too much want, structure. Wow. I think okay. I went, I went, Holy I'm hell. trying to find a good medium ground between structure of the show, less structure of the show. I just think this this podcast <laughs> will work best if uh, we just have less structure and more conversation. That's what I want. And uh, but a little less David moving his mic around. But uh, other than that, yeah. less structure. Right. Okay. I'm gonna put my feet up. This is Every Hornets Box Score, the only podcast that dares to explore every single Charlotte Hornets game, past, present, and future. I'm Doug Branson. I'm joined by uh, my good friends. That's what this podcast is all about, me bringing together my friends and people who know stuff about the Charlotte Hornets. As we explore, as we learn about Charlotte Hornets history, don't let that be a misconception about this podcast, by the way, that somehow we're coming on here and telling you that we are, you know, Hornets historians, that we know everything there is to know. No, in fact, we started this podcast and I started the Substack because I wanted to learn a little bit more about the history of the team I love. This is a journey that we are all taking together with you, dear listener or viewer. Uh, so welcome. Uh, we, in fact, we we are so uh, on this journey together. We are so not Hornets historians that Walker. In the last episode, uh, we managed to annihilate an entire year's worth of Hornets history. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> what corrections already? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, episode no, 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 two deaths, David. We're we're talking actual lives taken, and we're sorry about that. What can you do? Wow. Sometimes you yeah. just kill people on accident. It happens. A- episode, episode two, we're already issuing corrections. Hopefully, I, mean, I don't know. You know, hopefully we do make this a regular thing. I, wanna, I want it to be something where we, you know, occasionally <laughs> step on it. You know, occasionally we, we were so, you know, explorers, that's what happens sometimes. You got to break a couple of eggs to make an omelet. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, what happened in the last episode? Well, in the last episode, we were exploring the 89-90 season of the Charlotte Hornets, their second season. And we got so excited to talk about the draft in which the Charlotte Hornets drafted Larry Johnson, that being the 91 draft, that we completely forgot about the 1990 Charlotte Hornets draft, the one where they drafted Kendall Gill. So we annihilated the middle of 1990 through the middle of 1991. Yeah, that's our bad. Yeah. And I mean, I even named my fish after Kendall Gill, named him Kendall Gills, and yet I killed him. So Mm -hmm. in reality, I'd never you think about all of the things that would have changed. Would I have had to name my fish Michael Kidd Goldfish? I don't know. Like there are so many things. The butterfly effect would have affected so many different things. But despite my fish name having to change, I know there's some other things that changed that were maybe a little bit more important in the concept of human history, Doug, do you have that list in front of us of, yeah, of the yeah, history like, that we altered? I do. Like Thanos, we snapped our fingers and we eliminated uh, the internet uh, in, in 1990. Tim Berners-Lee published his formal formal proposal for the World Wide Web. So goodbye, internet. We we're not even here. We're, we're, not, we're gone. We're not even doing this show. It might right catch now. on. It might catch on. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, we, we, we didn't kill. We actually, uh, well, we kept Germany separate. There's uh, still East and West Germany. Thanks to us because uh, of course the Berlin wall was demolished, 
Uh, so that's that's still standing. Uh, Desert Storm took place during that time. The Simpsons, we killed the Simpsons. We killed the Adventures of Pete and Pete. We killed both Pete's. Uh, I hate that. I'm sorry, Pete's. Was that your favorite? Anyone big Nickelodeon people? Favorite Nickelodeon show? It, it's just a little before. Well, not only is it a little before my time, it's quite literally before I was born. So, no, I, yeah. I was more so like late 90s. You know, I had my Hey Arnold shirt on the other day. That's my favorite Nick show of all time. But like, you know, Rocco's Modern Life. You know, I, I was there on the very beginning of SpongeBob, but after the first three seasons, I was already gone. So like that, that's my era, really, that mm. that that little stretch right there. Yeah, I feel like I was on there for the very beginning of Nickelodeon shows. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you can't do that on television. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, the heyday of Hey Dude and uh, Salute Your Shorts, which I believe were predecessors to said Pete and Pete, but kind of in the same neighborhood. And there was also the show that was set in Charlotte. And I do not remember the name of that show, Doug. Did you ever see the show? It was set in Charlotte. It's the first TV show I've ever seen set in Charlotte. It was like my kid brother or something like that. I, gosh, I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That, that's your assignment for the show. Yep. Figure out the yep. first Nickelodeon yep. show that was set in uh, Charlotte. One of the first, I remember, the I remember one. going to Carowinds and there were auditions for all that. And uh, mm. I just wanted to ride the rides, so I maybe missed my chance at stardom uh, going to all that. Anyway, um, getting back to what we destroyed in, in the year that was, June 12th, the Chicago Bulls won their first NBA championship, June 12th, 2000, and or, I'm sorry, June 12th, 1990, uh, the first NBA championship by defeating the Los Angeles Lakers, and then quarterback Ty Detmer of the BYU Cougars football team won the Heisman <laughs> Trophy, so sorry, Ty. <laughs> We took we took something good away from BYU football. It's what that's what they live for. I apologize. Yeah, we we got rid of a lot of stuff. I hate that. I'm sorry. Uh, more importantly, again to Kendall Gill, who is a beloved Charlotte Hornet, and hopefully we can make things right here. Like I know you want to make things wrong a little bit. Maybe we can compromise where where the end is killing things and the beginning is just getting everything right. Maybe we can go in the middle of where hey, not everything is flawless but people still live and history isn't changed. I, I hope to find that perfect niche right there. That's what I want. That's right. That is the goal of this podcast to explore history, not change it. Uh, today on this podcast, we will be moving on to the second era of Hornets history to select randomly select our next box score. Uh, David Walker is our guest on this show. So we should explain to him how we do this thing. I built a machine. I call it the bees machine, which stands for box score encounters in tropic selector. It goes through the chaos that is Charlotte Hornets history dives into it and uh, explores it and selects from the chaos one box score at random for us to discuss on this episode. Uh, so, David, do you have all that? Are you good with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I listened to the first episode as soon as it dropped. So I'm, I'm well, well versed in the in the, uh, the the bees knees. Was it or the bees it's machine? The bees machine. Okay. <laughs> right. The bees machine. Yep. Don't don't insult the bees machine. It's <laughs> you're too so powerful. well versed. Yeah, it's too powerful. <laughs> OK, here we go. Let's I don't know if you'll be able to see my crank here for the bees machine in this triple box. If you're watching, here we go. And let's do it! <laughs> Crank the Jimmy! All right. Is that thing firing up right now? Is it still create? It's still creating. Yep. The, so the it's scrolling. It. It's scrolling. And there it is. Like All right. It has finished. Downstairs. 
Yeah, what? <laughs> An extra room. Hit my hit. I hit the mic with the front of my cap. Here we go. November twentieth, two thousand and one. Mm. Oh, okay. It looks like it yeah. gave, us a, gave us a little smooch there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks, machine. <laughs> You're a rascal, bees machine. Goodness. Okay. <laughs> November 20th, 2001. It may have been giving us a smooch to brace us for the fact that it's taking us into the darkest timeline, the season that was the end of the first Hornets run, 2001 to 2002. So let me get this box score pulled up so we can all take it in together. And there it is. Charlotte Hornets at Washington Wizards. Wait a minute. 2001. Okay. Washington Wizards. <laughs> it's a win for the Hornets, but that might not be the most important thing because something else happened to the Washington Wizards in 2001. Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. <gasps> Who there could he is it be? With a cool 41 minutes played. Yeah. Michael Air Jordan in Can't his take comeback out. tour. Mm-mm. Well, you certainly can't take him out if you look at the rest of that roster there. Uh, you did have a Rip Hamilton coming off the bench. Oh, man, what a what a spark plug group that was. Hubert Davis, future head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Wow. And yeah. His, uh, playing, playing with uh, MJ there. So, I mean, first thoughts looking at the box score. You forget that Michael Jordan and Christian Leitner played with one another outside of the dream team that should have happened team, for right. Christian. Right. So 92, and then these guys are reunited, and a bad game for Leitner. Zero field goals in this one. Bad game for every starter not named Michael Jordan, combining for one field goal thanks to Chris Whitney. Just a brutal, uh, brutal box score for them. Shouts. Shouts, Chris Whitney. Um, but also, like, some notable things. Kwame Brown, his rookie season. So the infamous bust that took place with Kwame Brown. I hope he's not listening or I will get destroyed on one of his live feeds. Uh, you also had Jahidi White, a former Bobcat. Like these are just Kwame Brown, me former Kwame Brown, former yep. Bobcat. Kwame Brown, former Bobcat. I'm vomiting just all this information that is Rawr. oozing out of my brain right Anytime now. Anytime we so find that, a former Bobcat, one of us has to go. Rawr. Okay, I'll let you do that. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> That's your idea. I'll let you have what it. What did Bobby Simmons do? Did he? Uh, what did he do in those four minutes? Because he never saw any more court time. He certainly didn't take any shots. Well, one, I got he one got one a block, block, David. He swatted somebody. Now, is Doug Collins the coach? Is he in place on the bench there for the, for the Wiz? Oh, boy. You're taking this already down the rabbit hole. Sorry. Let's go to the old Washington Wizards. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Doug yep. Collins. There we go. Uh, Wes Unseld is your executive, uh, who was really you. kind of executive in name only, right? Because it was still – I guess Jordan had to give it up. But, I mean, this was Jordan's team that he helped – now, one thing I'd like to point out right here, if you'll if you look at the bottom of the screen there, the attendance, this is for the Washington Wizards. Uh -huh. This is for the season. <laughs> second, second in the league. Of 29 teams. And it's because, uh, it's because of those dream teamers teaming up. Uh, maybe one more than the other, but <laughs> certainly they, they were drawing a lot of a lot of crowd there for a two and eight team. Isn't that well, crazy? Now, well, yeah, now that's that a you, great point. Now that you bring that up, we ought to just check mm. the attendance for the Charlotte Hornets. And let's uh, do a little scrolling. And they are last in the association playing yeah. out of the Charlotte Coliseum because, of course, this was the final year. Everyone knew it going into the season. Uh, the voters in Charlotte had already 
voted down a new arena for the Hornets, a new uptown arena, which, of course, the Bobcats would eventually get several years later. But the voters voted it down mainly because uh, George Shin was the owner and no one liked him. And so George Shin took his ball and went to New Orleans and the crowds uh, thinned out. Um, yeah. Go ahead, David. And, and, and I just noted that because for the first run of the Charlotte Hornets, especially those early years when they were no good, I mean, this was the attendance champ of the NBA. The only banner that hung in the Charlotte Coliseum was for the crowd, was for attendance championships. I mean, this is basically what this team was known for for a long time, was the excitement that it built in this town, the first professional sports franchise ever here. So it was just a stark difference to see that fade off and to see the, the the declining attendance. I mean, I was at the last game. It was not full. It was more like a funeral than anything else. And were, see, were you were you at you were at the last playoff game? Yes, exactly. I was yes. at the last regular season game. Were you at the last know, regular season the, game? No, I wanted to go to get one of those Eldon Campbell dolls, but I think you. Had, you oh yeah. Got, why, yeah, why did I pull it out? It's from this season. Hold on. Yeah, okay. which you know we we've talked about the famous Eldon Campbell doll for a, right. a long time now. I just I wonder why Eldon Campbell was the guy they decided to cel celebrate. I, like I know that they came up with promotions at the beginning, but it is kind of hilarious that Eldon Campbell was the one we decided to celebrate the very end of the franchise's existence at that point. Well, they were just holding, yeah, they were holding the best for last. So here, let right. me go uh, so, solo dolo here to, uh, if you're watching, I have an Eldon Campbell beanie baby has five and Hornets on the front and wow. then Eldon Campbell five on the back still has the tags probably worth thousands of pennies at this point. Um, so there you go. Limited treasures, uh, Campbell beanie baby. I also did buy, you can't see it on the screen, but I did buy my Baron Davis Jersey there as well. Um, I'm sure the people at the Jersey stand were like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> was it a madhouse? Mm -hmm. So I, well, I guess no, if it, if there wasn't was a not. lot of people there, so people weren't even like trying <laughs> to collect the merchandise. I mean, it ex the exact opposite there. And it was not a madhouse at all. I mean, mm -hmm. the Coliseum was, you could hear your feet stamping around. I mean, it was, it was uh, it, it, yeah, it was situations. crazy. It was crazy. That's just, it's, that's just to put you in place in this year. I mean, the, the, the attitude on the team and it's a shame. I mean, it right. was, it was a good team. You know, it was, it was, it was a winning team, uh, team, team in the playoffs. Yeah. Second mm -hmm. in the central, I believe. So just a really weird vibe, but I mean, I can tell you there are plenty of people in Charlotte that were just, happy to see them go which is it was sad and i know it caused doug a lot of you know depression and 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 well, i killed my i killed my love of professional it's yeah. actually kind of it's interesting it killed my love of professional basketball but it probably threw me into college basketball in a way that i hadn't before and then i started i started really following unc and probably because of that i went to carolina so in a way, I mean, wow. the Hornets leaving changed the course of my life probably forever. Um, so there you go. What do wow. you? Yeah, deal with that. Some good things <laughs> came out of that. Then, soaking, we, yes, you know? soaking it in. I learned um, what, well, and, and and through that, I learned to love Michael Jordan again because I think I've discussed this on Locked On Hornets. I hated yeah. Michael Jordan growing up because he always used to beat the Hornets, and I was a Hornets fan. I didn't care about Carolina. I didn't care about Michael Jordan. I one time somebody tried to give me a free Michael Jordan card, like a trading card in a mm. trading card place, a collectibles place. And I refused it. And my father was very upset with me because he said I was very rude. And I'm like, I hate Michael Jordan. 
He just crushes <laughs> my team all the time. Why would I want to put his card anywhere in my bedroom? Let's just hope it's not the 1983 Fleer edition. If it was that, then your dad would have been a lot more angry with you. You think it'd be so you think it'd be slightly more valuable than this Eldon Campbell beanie man? <laughs> it would at least be like a thousand and one pennies, maybe slightly more. Yeah, but that yeah. Fleer, I so I've been so when I moved to you know I just moved like a couple of weeks ago, and during that process, I was getting all my basketball cards out. Of course, me being me. I'm going to do the nerd boy thing. Look at the back of all the basketball cards. But really what I was trying to do was see if I had missed anything over the years that was really valuable. My most valuable card is like a Michael Jordan 93, 94 Fleer scoring Kings edition. So that Mm. thing's worth hundreds of dollars. And it's by far the most valuable thing that I have. But I do have a lot of Michael Jordans like in cases. And so what's crazy is if you look at the MJ cards that, you know, are just your run of the mill whatever regular season random game like nothing special about it every mj card that comes in any of those packs are at least going to be a dollar which doesn't sound like a lot but in the card game usually the meaningless cards are going to be like literally a penny a nickel you know so it's it's funny like it 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 doesn't matter what mj card you're talking about it's at least going to hit a dollar if there's any meaning whatsoever if it has like a nice fringe to it if if it's a refractor card it's going to at least be like 20 or 30 bucks which in the saturation market there right like michael it, it's crazy the effect that he had you know and uh so finding those cards has been a lot of fun yeah still very popular um i mean while we're talking about mj we might as well at least mention i mean he does own the hornets now so uh it is in the conversation but he does i don't know if you knew that and you know a lot of times people just throw away these two washington wizards seasons now they were not vintage bulls run seasons but mj averaged 23 points this current season the 2001 season 20 points the following year in 0203 played 82 games that year at age 39 so you know, just a little throwback to how um, how, how the old guys, I guess, just used to grind it out. No, no night, no nights off for thirty nine year old Michael Jordan in o two o three. Yeah, and I mean, watch, watching him play forty one is crazy. Do you guys yeah. remember where you were when he came back and played for Washington? No. Like yeah. when we heard I it, when I, I heard know, when, again, the, the as, first I, game, as I stated you, previously, yeah. I hated Michael oh. Jordan. I didn't care that he came back. Right. Oh, no, like yeah. the the night that I was he came a huge back. Wizards fan. Well, yeah, I figured Michael Jordan might because you're a huge MJ fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was in school. I was probably in Chapel Hill somewhere. But gotcha. uh, I, I during this run, I did move my my now wife. Uh, she graduated a little bit earlier than me. Um, and so we moved her up to D.C. Uh, during this Wizards run. So wow. didn't go to a game or anything, but I was in town. And believe me, I <laughs> felt the electricity. As I was going to say, you had to feel it. All right, yeah. so in this game, Michael Jordan had 40, as you said, 41 minutes, 13 of 23 from the field. That's 56.5% from the field. Did uh, shoot two three-pointers. The future, the year 2001. 50%. 50%. 50% hit a three-pointer. <laughs> Take uh, that, scored, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> scored 30 points, uh, four rebounds, six assists, two steals, five turnovers but the 30 points and the that's, insa- tw- that, that's crazy dude i mean just just think about that for a second i mean that is insane well it's insane when you consider that there weren't a lot of 
assists on this team. I mean, Hubert Davis had four assists, and that was tops other than Jordan, who had six assists. No one was feeding him the basketball. I mean, he was going out there and grinding out these points. Oh. You mentioned the starting lineup earlier. Christian Leitner, 0 for 6. Jahidi White, 0 for 1. Chris Whitney, 1 for 3. Bobby Simmons, 0 for 0. Goose eggs. Uh, it was Rip Hamilton attempting 12 shots. It was Hubert Davis attempting 12 shots. So not a lot of help for Michael Jordan. This, uh, by the way, I don't even think I've said this yet. The Hornets won this basketball game, 95 to 88. It was the Washington Wizards' seventh straight loss. And uh, obviously the first time Michael Jordan had experienced that in his career. And needless to say, he was pretty frustrated. And so, yeah, not to harp on MJ the entire show here, but just of note, about a month later, they played on uh, December 29th. That's when he dropped 51 on the Hornets. So, you know, uh, if you don't think he didn't know that, Doug, that those losses piled up, uh, I'm sure he had that in the back of his head and just want to give him an extra 51. When the beast machine came out with this game, I thought it might be that game because, you know, you think Mm. Wizards against the Hornets, you think the 50-point performance from MJ. I thought it might be this one. So that'll be a fun one whenever we get to it maybe next week or maybe 20, 30, 40 years from now. Who knows? (laughs) Because we're going to do every single game. But that will be a fun game when we get to it. So apparently Jordan got off to a rough start in his comeback season because according to Leonard Lay of the uh, Charlotte Observer here in the write-up, it says the Wizards were hoping to dodge a seventh consecutive loss, the most recent three of which have come despite Jordan's improving play. Uh, no Jamal Mashburn in this game for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he was dealing with an injury out of the gate. Um, so it was Baron Davis, Lee Nalon, Stacey Ogman, PJ Brown, Eldon Campbell. They were also missing David Wesley to injury. So both Ogman and Nalon, Nalon had to uh, fill in for the two injured starters. Still got the win. Okay. So go ahead, David. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, and and this was a pretty, I think this team uh, was about uh, midway as far as like offensive and defensive efficiency or or where they ranked in the league. I mean, a pretty nice defensive lineup there, but uh, really nice when you're just basically playing Michael Jordan five on one. So you can see why they held him down there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Baron Davis, the guy that was the leading scorer for this team, 32 points, but really Lee Nalon, man. 18 points, 7 of 15 from the field, just doing work. And so in this every Hornets box score, any of the pods that I appear on, right, I'm going to try to bring like one thing, right, that the role being the nerd boy rabbit hole where I go down and just figure out what roads I'm going to take and then take all the information along the way. Doug, remember we talked about, remember, like it was the one podcast that we did. Remember the one every Hornets box score I said Armin Gilliam was the most underrated Hornet, and then I backed off of it after doing some research, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was not prepared to give Lee Nalon a title, but I'm here to tell you right now after my research, most underappreciated Hornet, Lee Nalon. Bring me the fanfare. Um, can I give you my segment right now? Is that okay if I dive right in? You want to go into Lee Nalon? I want to go into Lee Nalon if that's okay. All right. I call this nothing but Nalon. First start of Lee Nalon's career comes in this game. It's this oh, wow. one. Yeah, so, ja- so Jamal Mashburn, he's out for 40 games, misses 42 this year with an abdominal injury, and so that's yeah. when Lee Nalon starts 41 this season, and this was the game that was his first start, right? If you talk about his career entirely, it's crazy. So before TCU, 
He attended Butler Community College, and there are three Hornets-relevant guys that ever played in the NBA from Butler Community College. Steven Jackson, Captain Jack being one, and also Tony Allen, who never played for the Hornets. But, oh, yeah, there's that one intro where he says, in a minute, cuz we live. Oh, yeah, that's Locked On Hornets. Shout out Butler Community College. We are Grizzlies fans here on this podcast. Lee Nalon drafted 43 overall, goes overseas to Italy, plays, balls, crushes it, comes back to the Charlotte Hornets who drafted him. Goes a little rough his first year. Paul Silas actually puts him in the doghouse because he wasn't trying hard enough. Doesn't play in that postseason game, the postseason series, off the roster. So Lee is dealt with a small offer from the Hornets or going overseas again. And playing for more money, but the long 10-hour bus rides, also uh, the language barrier, it's just not home. And so he decides to sign for less money and prove himself. This is the year he balls out. He scores 11 points per game, actually averaged 15 points per game in his start, shooting 50% from the field. So got to love him for stepping up in that last season before they left for New Orleans, right? So Hornets go to New Orleans. Nalon doesn't go with them at least for a couple of years, goes to the Knicks, and then plays for a different franchise every single year the rest of his NBA career. Journeyman. Knicks yeah. first, Hawks, Magic, Cavs in 03-04, then goes back to the Hornets when they're in New Orleans, and what does he do? 14 points per game, 68 appearances, 48% from the field, 80 from the free throw line, ho-hum, good old Lee Nalon Hornets numbers. Next year plays with the 76ers, and that would be it in the NBA, but then plays in a different country every single season until 2014. Israel, Russia, Lebanon, Puerto Rico, Israel again, Hungary, Argentina, Mexico. World that traveler. Is the, uh, every single year played for a different NBA franchise and went to a different country. Like this guy was a complete nomad all over the place. And then he would finally call it a career. Nothing but Nalon, baby. Most underappreciated Hornet in franchise history. Well, and and one of the most needed for... Uh, that's, Absolutely. That's as deep as you'll ever go on Lee Nalon, by the way. That's it. That's what you're getting out of <laughs> this. This is podcast, what you get. This is what you get um, right here. I'm sweating. I'm, I got the meat sweats from that Lee Nalon <laughs> breakdown. Uh, but Nalon, Lee Nalon was actually crucial to this, to whatever success this team had because... To me, this was one of the original like grit and grind teams. This was a team all about slowing the pace way down, playing hard-nosed defense, and they just didn't have a lot of scoring, didn't have a lot of shooting. What what they did have came from Baron Davis because, as you said, Mash was hurt for a lot of the year. He tried to come back, then uh, got injured, I believe, right before the playoffs. Played one game, then done. Played, yeah. I think, made one first mm. game appearance and then was out the rest of the That's series. right. So, you know, this this team was a, a little bit doomed and on the move. Uh, but Nalon, yeah, he was a scoring punch on a team that, desperate, that had a ton of defense but desperately needed a scoring punch. He was a huge part of this team. Well, and, and that's kind of my point, right? Like, so this is a season where everything is just the worst. You guys described it. Doug, you went to that last game. Nobody cared. In fact, people wanted the Hornets to leave. And yet here's Lee Nalon actually giving the stragglers that were still holding on for dear life something to care about because Jamal's injured. David Wesley's injured. Baron Davis did not have a good shooting year this year. Neither did Wesley or Mash when he actually played. So it was really Eldon Campbell who shot 48% from the field. And it was Lee 
who you could go to in those moments you needed him. Just as far as a year goes where you desperately needed somebody, this was the guy that that stepped up. And then, weirdly enough, would do it again in New Orleans five years later or three years later. Yeah, and you mentioned how hard that must have been for that team that year. I mean, a lot of credit really does go to Paul Silas. Uh, He's always been there for this franchise, right? When they needed something, when they needed guidance, (laughs) when they needed that tough love. I mean, he came back for the Bobcats when it it, that could have that was the worst season for anyone in their NBA lives, probably. So, just a really weird circumstance around this team. It was also the year that that Baron Davis kind of made the jump. You know, went to scoring about eighteen points a game showed that he could be a scorer in the NBA when I think the first two years, you know, he was really a spark plug, really athletic guard, but really, especially in this game, what do you have? 32, 31 in this yeah, game 32, uh, to lead them. Yeah. So uh, really, uh, you know, a potentially fun team on the verge of a fun team and was uh, of course, you know, taken out of the city and, uh, and, and, and went down to new Orleans and had some success there. So, but, but yeah, for, for Paul Silas and this group, I'm sure it was, almost like a galvanizing situation where they had to really lock in, really focus, not a lot of distractions, uh, you know, in the arena, <laughs> not a lot of d- hmm. distractions around the city probably. And um, I'm sure they were even, they were probably ready for a new start to some degree, but you know, for this team to finish second in the central, make it to the playoffs, um, you know, one of the more, I mean, gosh, one of the more impressive seasons <laughs> in franchise history. There's not a lot of them. Yeah, the fact that they won that year, got over 500, right. get to the postseason, is not something you would have bet on as we're describing this, right? Very melancholy. It's it's depressing. We're losing the team, a beloved team, right? First in attendance. We go to dead last. And I mean, not like, no exaggeration, 29th out of 29 teams yeah. in the NBA at that time. Nobody cared. In fact, it, it was like it was either indifference or it was anger and neither. Actually, yeah, something I was going to say it was almost uh, it wasn't even apathy. I mean, it was it was actual aggression on some levels, <laughs> I think, towards this team. They, it was they no one wanted them here. It was horrible. OK, I have a question for you, um, and, and it's on the screen right now. So I was digging around eBay looking for. Really, I was looking for media guides. I, I bought um, many of them. Uh, the the media guide that there's one media guide out there for 2001 and 2002, and and uh, the person wanted thirty five dollars, which I just thought was way over market value. I tried to make an offer, tried to appeal to reason. It didn't work. Well, I'm continuing to work on it. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I would love to be in the cover. Like, I want to see that bargaining go. I went to 15. Yeah. He came back at 30. I said, that's ridiculous. That's $5 <laughs> off of what you wanted. That's nothing. Did we're you type that about- to him? Did you? Or, well, yeah, or, we're talking yeah. about a media guide right. for a team that it's, it's not as if, I guess it would be different if the Charlotte Hornets never came back. But the Charlotte Hornets did come back, and that just tanked the value of any kind of retro Charlotte Hornets stuff. It's an un- untold story, I'm sure, on the collectibles market. Is like the mm-hmm. fact that the Hornets came back was awesome for all of us. But anyone who had that vintage Hornets stuff, that all uh, probably devalued somewhat. But anyway, so I was looking on eBay for other 2001, 2002 stuff, and I came across this posting. 2001, 2002 Charlotte Hornets autograph basketball. Not autographed basketball, autograph basketball. 
Okay. And on this basketball, I'm going to zoom in here. Does it that just, mean someone just wrote the autographs on there? <laughs> well, I don't know. Someone wrote Charlotte Hornets 2001, 2002. And then there are some autographs. I can go to some of these other. I like this picture in particular. Someone just pointing. They're not even pointing to a signature. <laughs> they're pointing to the line. They're what? just pointing to the strip on the ball. Do you see it? It's right here. This is a basketball is what. Uh, and again, there's another picture. <laughs> it's just pointing to it. the. Maybe he's holding it okay i'm gonna get those look real i mean i guess so they do um i be, i want to say that that's steven silas's signature uh steven silas was an assistant coach uh, under his dad in this season wow. uh, but i want to go to the description where is the description it's below here because there was something funny in the description scrolling i'm scrolling where is the description oh here we go description 2001-2002 Charlotte Hornets autograph basketball. Conditions, condition is used. Ball is little rough. Mm-hmm. Appears to be played with before getting signed. Mm. Looks like huh. somewhere between 15 to 19 signatures. Was told was signed by the whole team and coaches, so those numbers make sense. The price on this ball <laughs> is $75. How much would you actually pay for this basketball? Yeah, you know. <laughs> if, if I had... I mean, Go who's ahead, the most David. famous? Yeah. Who's the biggest signature you could have there? Uh, Baron? Baron would Jamal be. Mashburn? Maybe Mash. I'm looking for. It's so tough. Maybe that's BD's signature right there. That looks, that looks like it could be right there. Yeah. Well, but yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, the, the fact is so I was an idiot and we went to Colts training camp one time and, saw, and got Peyton Manning to sign my Bob Sanders t shirt. And also got it. That would have been okay, even though hilarious. I also got some random offensive lineman that would be out of the league in two years signature too. So I could have had a Bob Sanders t-shirt that was signed by Peyton Manning, which is kind of funny. And then just ruined it with some random offensive lineman who played for two years. I wonder if the same is in effect here, where when you have the entire team sign it, you could have just had mash Diddy, you know, some of the more prominent players sign it. And I wonder if it's going up more, but if you have, I don't know, like idiot, you know, Stacy, you know, Stacy Ogman for the Hornets. I, yeah, that's probably disrespectful to Stacy. I apologize. You get the picture when you have everybody yeah, sign well, it. Try why, yeah. why the drive by on Stacy Ogman? I, I mean, you he's know, a good player. He locked no, Jordan down. He locked, he locked Michael Jordan down in this game. I just pulled up this uh, game game notes here and it says, Stacey Ogman, starting in place of injured David Wesley, took the defensive role against Jordan much of the way and held him under 40 at least. (laughs) I was was wondering when the part, I was expecting some tracking data back in 2001-02. Here's what Paul Paul Silas said. Quote, Michael did not post up that much against Stacey and the plans really worked out well. When we doubled them later, they weren't used to finding the other guys. Well, that's because they had no other (laughs) because Michael was too busy going for 30 on 50% shooting against Stacey. That's what was happening. 56% shooting. Yeah. But yeah, further the point you get, I'd pay 50 bucks for that. Not even, I I don't even know if I'd pay 50. Wow. 50. It's just, you can't, how can you pay anything for something that you can't, I can't, I can't legitimately know that those are the signatures. I have nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's a crazy person's ball. That's good enough for me. That's a crazy person's ball. I've never seen an autograph ball when someone just block letters, the team name in one panel and it, uh, you know, I think, located I think the conf- angle for this guy would be to say, hey, 
we've got Jamal McGlure and we've also got Jamal Mashburn and just target this to Kentucky fans and maybe maybe you get 75 bucks there I'm glad you mentioned McGlure uh we'll talk about him more when we come back around to this season at some point uh but McGlure wasn't big in this game he played 14 minutes one of two from the field two points two rebounds one block but the the only reason, spoiler alert, the Hornets make the playoffs, and as we said, Mashburn goes down with injury. They still manage to beat the Orlando Magic in the first round. They go on to play the Nets, who would be your Eastern Conference champions, and they lose in four games. But, uh, or they lose in five games. It was 4-1. And, uh, but McGlure was huge in those series. He was uh, on his little, he had a little stretch, and he was on, Hit the ascension of his little stretch, but we'll we'll get to that as we explore some of the later games in this season. Dear God, the Hornets made two three pointers in this game, and oh, we're going to see a I lot think, of that. Yeah, yeah no, we we it's we, just we, hilarious. I think they might it might have been the same amount when we did our last box score, and it was like yeah, nineteen ninety. Um, yeah, it it so little three pointers hit, and especially the Hornets who were twenty second and 29th in pace. I think this year, yeah. So they're not going to be hitting a whole lot of three pointers. Well, take setting up some of the shooters, yeah. I mean, Matt Buller, that's what he's in there, in there to do for sure. Uh, same with Bryce Drew. <laughs> I, sh- I should have got off too. Right. I should have gone with Bullard instead of Stacey Ogman. I apologize to Stacey Ogman. Uh, and you're not going to apologize to Matt Bullard? No, he deserves okay. it. Okay. Uh, Matt. By the way, Matt Bullard, Stacey Ogman, and Bryce Drew were uh, the organization's answer to the question, what are we going to do to reload after losing to the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games and almost making the Eastern Conference Finals? Just to let you know that it wasn't just the fans giving up on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets were giving up on the Charlotte Hornets. I don't think they (laughs) really were interested at all in trying to run this fully back and make the Eastern Conference Finals, though they did get to the second round. Uh, this, you know, when your answer is bringing in Bryce Drew, Matt Bullard, and Stacey Ogman, I don't think you're totally serious about making a run. Yeah, I guess they, they did still have the core for the most part. You know, those guys actually did last to New Orleans, though, right? Because you have Davis, P.J. Brown, Jamal Mashburn, if I'm not mistaken, would actually get his only All-NBA nod the first year in New Orleans. And so he was still there. Bring then you had heart. David Wesley. So like the core, the guys we remember, that was still, yeah, there he is, an All-Star. It was a co- comeback year. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. essentially just he did the exact same thing in that first year in New Orleans that he did in the previous year. He just did it over the course of of more games. 21 points per game, 5.6 assists. 6.1 rebounds, and he played uh, in all 82 games and started 81 of them. You know, I do not remember. Is that is that the three-point percentage that's 39%? Mm-hmm. I, I would not have said, yeah, Jamal, a marksman, because that two-point percentage is absolutely putrid. <laughs> I mean, 40, 43% and then 42, like that was it's putrid. I did not remember him being a a marksman. Like that was the thing that was allowing Mashburn to prop the Hornets up offensively. It's an odd thing. And and that was, he, he seemed to, although no, I mean, his last year in Miami was a 40% three point shooter on 3.7 attempts that falls to 35.6% on 3.8 attempts his first year in Charlotte. And then 36% on 2.8. Yeah. I mean, he was, Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I I just yeah, it's it's just I didn't realize like the the two point numbers they do not transition well. Like it, it's it's awful. But the the marksmanship, man, talk about Jamal ahead of his time. You know, I, I wonder if you realize, oh, okay, he can't score inside the three point arc at any efficient rate whatsoever. Let's just have him continue to jack up threes. How much better is his career, or how much better does that translate? I would imagine a lot. All right, yeah, let's do guess- so. Go ahead, Dave. I was just say, I guess to to your point, Walker, they were banking on you know Mashburn, Wesley, and Davis, right, to be that core. Because I mean, mm-hmm. Baron was a this was an All Star year for him, his first, and so if they're banking on those two, and maybe you're saying PJ and Eldon Campbell can hold it down down low, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, uh, kind of some tough luck there. But the additions were not signaling that they were being overly aggressive. I'll agree with you. Speaking of Baron Davis and an All Star campaign. This season, uh, I went back into the vault of SI to bring up their preview for the Hornets. And it before this season, uh, Dave, it says the 22-year-old Davis celebrated by working hard harder than ever during the offseason. He spent his vacation playing in three summer oh. leagues. Wow. Simultaneously. Three yeah. S- <laughs> At, the <same> time? <laughs> At the same time? <laughs> simultaneously playing in three summer leagues. You can't even get second-year players anymore to play in Vegas. Back in my day. I mean, this is a little bit back in my day, but yeah. but it, it, it caused him to come into this season exhausted. He had to take some time off during training camp and the ramp-up to this season. Paul right. Silas basically demanded him. But then it was like, dude, we're going to actually need your legs this season. But he season. also played – what did he also play for the U.S. team? Yes, he, he played, played all the, summer, basically. Yeah, he got a gold medal in the Goodwill Games. Remember those? I don't. No. <laughs> I, don't yeah, I, don't, I don't remember the Goodwill Games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he turned into a really good shooter, uh, Baron Davis, and took his offensive game to a completely new level in this in this season. And he was showing it off as early as November twentieth, twelve again, twelve of twenty three. I mean, he was absolutely takeover game: thirty two points, seven rebounds, five assists. I don't think the 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 Hornets right now don't really have that kind of score on the team. I mean, we we haven't seen that kind of score since Kemba. The guy that gets uh, yeah. you 30, and that's the question with LaMelo, right? I mean, we saw him do it. You know, we've seen him go off a couple of times, you know, and, and it's crazy. I was looking at some stats for this past season. LaMelo actually got a ton of field goal attempts up this year, not on a per game basis, but if you look at the totals, I believe he was top 10. I think he finished ninth or tied for ninth on the most field goals attempted this year. Not something I would have guessed, you know, just without having done the research. Um, on a per game basis, I think he was like 19th or something like that, but because he played so many games, yeah, you know, that yeah, ball's the, in his hand a lot though. Yeah. I mean, that's right. a, mm-hmm. you know, but that, that's the question we're going to ask quite a bit is can LaMelo do this? Can he, can he be that type of guy that just scores a ton of points and, and then goes and gets you the bucket and he be that guy? Yes. All right, I want to I want to hand out I want to hand out some awards uh, for this box score. Uh, the one that I want to hand out every time is who did it in the box score, and that's got to go to Baron Davis. I mean, he was overwhelmingly the answer in this game. I mean, Eldon Campbell put up thirteen attempts, but only hit four of them. Lee Nalon, I mean, that would be a close second at seven of fifteen from the field, but did it in the box score: thirty-two points, seven rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks. You got to do it all over the box score, and he did it. He even made the only two three-point makes for this game. 
did it in the box score. Baron Davis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Any other any other awards before I get? I got two more. Shout out, shout out to plus minus for always confounding me. Baron Davis with a plus six, only a plus six there, <laughs> clearly leading the team in most of those categories. But uh, man, across the board, look at the five starters, all positive plus minus, and just didn't need a lot from the bench, really. Well, you know, how about Bryce Drew coming in and getting four steals in 21 minutes? A lot of scrappy, steals. Yeah, scrappy. Coming in off the bench. And getting two threes up, you know, you know, seven uh, field goal attempts overall. Didn't hit anything, but that's all right. Well, pickpocket. Speaking of pickpockets, I got a problem with my banking institution. I won't name them on this podcast. They're a pretty okay. big one located in Charlotte. Um, and I noticed I noticed there was a little bit of like a financing charge on my account. Not uh, a ton yeah. of money, but I chatted with the, the associate via uh, the online chat, and they immediately refunded it, which makes me think like there is a balance – there's got to be something on the bank's balance sheet that's it's just one line and it says money we got because no one noticed like if you notice it they will completely refund it to you and so like when i'm chatting with this person i'm like wow you know what that's great customer service and then i thought about it for just a few seconds and went wait a minute if a pickpocket takes your wallet you catch them and then they give it back to you that's not great customer service that's just catching a thief. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sorry that that happened to you. Thank um, you. But I'm glad that. It's unbelievable. I'm glad yeah, you, you see why some of these Hornets were glad to leave, you know, the banking capital of the <laughs> Southwest. and hassling. Who wants to chat? Although, shout out to the chats. I mean, that's the way to do it these days. It beats sitting on hold for 20 minutes. Um, if you've got the time for chats. You have kids. I'm surprised you have the time for anything. I don't. I don't. I barely have time for no. this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I've got another award though. Honk honk. It's the award I give out when I see some. When I see all goose eggs, and that goes to. I'm gonna do my best here, folks. I'm gonna do my best here with this name, Jerome Moyos Moiso. Moiso, I believe. Moiso. Moiso. That's how it went down. Yeah. Jerome Moiso uh, played a minute forty-seven. Played a buck forty-seven in this one zeros across the board was a minus three in the plus minus now that column. makes sense that may, that plus minus makes sense that checks out <laughs> yes, it does yeah, yeah yep. um so goose eggs across the board he gets the hong kong award and finally i've got a bench wrench award to hand out that's going to go to the opposing team that's hubie mm-hmm. hubie doobie doobie mm-hmm. hubert davis seven of 12 from the field four of six from three hubie uh, were heads exploding he hit four threes. What, what was the arena just? Was this a lead story on SportsCenter that he hit he four was, threes? Yeah, he was viewed as the ball hog. How dare you take <laughs> six threes when Michael Jordan's on your team, no less. You know, you shouldn't be doing that when Matt Bullard's on your team, let alone Michael Jordan shooting six. He did have four assists, at least. He was the, the other than Michael, he was the only one really finding other people he, on this he team. And, he and MJ were just doing like the Will Ferrell, uh, uh, you uh, me, you me. Yeah, <laughs> throwing it back in, throwing it back out. One of them shoots every time. I, there should be an award. It doesn't. Chris Whitney doesn't quite get there, but we should have an award for having a plus minus that is more than your minutes played. So he played 13 minutes at a plus minus of minus close. 11. It was close, but not quite. I mean, uh, uh, no, no, no. T- t- the MJ was a minus seven. Now listen, I know they <laughs> lost. But I, I just, that's where I have to throw the stat out and say, well, what would have happened if he had not been out there? Well, he just didn't, he didn't have anyone. 
um, you know, that's 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 what happens. Uh, by the way, just a quick fact here. David Wesley not playing in this game was significant because he had started 294 consecutive games for the Hornets. Uh, that was the third longest streak in the NBA. So David Wesley, and that's, I mean, I I didn't know that, but I would have guessed that Wesley was a little bit of an Iron Man for yeah. the Hornets. I mean, he was like, it was just always there. 294 consecutive. I wonder... So that was the third longest streak in the NBA. I mean, what is the current longest streak right now, Doug? I don't know if yeah, you just to look that up. Well, I, I saw that there were only, I believe, five players who played 82 games last season. Mikhail Bridges <laughs> was one of them, but only well, let's five. Do a little, let's do a little masky here. So 294 divided by 82. I mean, that's more than three and a half seasons of consecutive play. That is Good nutty. Lord. Different times, man. Different times. It really Listen, was, yeah. There's nothing wrong with either one. Just different. I'm gonna times. look it up. I'm gonna look up. Yeah, longest games played streak in the NBA. AC Green. You I believe it was AC Green who played the most consecutive games. Well, he had the energy. He sure did. <laughs> Didn't have to worry about Despair, him the night before. You know. <laughs> I think Robert Parrish leads in total games. I believe AC Green is most consecutive, if I'm not mistaken. This is going to be impossible to look up. I have no idea how to look up this. Hey, while you're doing that, Doug. Well, this Bleacher Report article that says NBA power rankings, Kobe Bryant, the 50 best Iron Men in the NBA. Mm, But mm, I think. uh, Are you going to have to scroll down all the way, or is it like. Oh, my God. Doug, while you look look this up, you want me to tell you what's going on? Prince, number 50. Yeah, we're going to be here for the next two hours. There you go. Let me tell you some things that were going on in the year 2001, if you guys are interested. Paul Silas. Yes, go ahead. And pop culture, biggest movie of the year, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, Biggest show. Biggest show on the old television friends so exactly yeah. like today still going still the biggest show on the planet number 44 yes, patrick ewing okay <laughs> patrick ewing by the way all played for the orlando magic team that the hornets would go on to face in the first round of the eastern conference um wow. i do have the answer by the way if we wanted to get to that or did you want to get to 43 42 and so i would on. like to get to number 39 on this list mark jackson there you go. uh yeah go ahead hit me it's ac green ac green played in 1192 games consecutively yes that's right i'll repeat it again 1192 that's the amount of games he played consecutively absolutely insane well, I want to find, I mean, where is, I want to just keep scrolling and find where, all right, Moses Malone, 24, Ray Allen, 23, Kevin Garnett, 22, Jason Kidd, 21, Reggie Miller. I mean, you feel like 294, that's got to be, that's got to put David Wesley somewhere on this list. I don't know what this list is even, honestly, I don't even what know is what this, this list, list is even looking at. Uh, well, it, <laughs> it looks like it's referenced as the Iron Man list more so than anything. So yeah, like Maybe Randy it's Smith. games. Total games would be Robert Parrish. Yeah, this is a total game measurement. Well, David Wesley's mm-hmm. not going to be there. Anyway, yeah, probably not. It's got, I mean, 294, yeah. that's a hell of a streak. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's weak. I can't yeah, think of, I, I don't haven't think we'll done, see it again. I haven't done 294 straight anything. This is the problem with, you know, we try to give them too much credit and then it doesn't look all that impressive at the end of the road. So let's just not do any more research. Say, hey, almost 300. That's good, David Wesley. You're an Iron Man in our hearts. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I have one more thing to get to, which is the extremely classic pro basketball name of the week, the 118th best player of the 1920s, according to AinsworthSports.com, is Horse Haggerty. <laughs> That's your extremely classic pro basketball name of the week, old Horse Haggerty. Now, what year are we looking at there? Yeah, I was going to say. It's 1920s. Oh, I bet I know why. Um, (laughs) Horse Haggerty was really putting it in the peach baskets. Mm. Yeah, let's be careful with this nickname. (laughs) Horse Haggerty. Do you have a a picture of horse? Probably not. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's (laughs) Horse Haggerty. I mean, you never know. There might be. (laughs) Yeah, please, please. Love to see him. You know. Actually, I do. You want to see him? Uh, sure. Put him on yeah. the screen. No, David, don't deny the people. There he is. Oh, Look I, at see that guy. I see why. I see why. Born on the Fourth hey, of July. Born on the Fourth of July. George Francis Haggerty, otherwise known as Horse. Good lord, Haggerty. that's way more than uh, 294 games. He played for he played for more teams than uh, <laughs> Lee Nalon. <laughs> I doubt it. Nobody did. Lee, the true Iron Man. There you go. Wow. Horse Haggerty. That's I'll, I'll look him up next episode and give you a full bio on him. Uh, this was fun. I appreciate this. I really enjoyed our walk down the darkest uh, timeline, 2001 to 2002, the year that the Hornets left. We we might come back here the next uh, uh, way around. So, uh, you know, now we go to the Bobcats. That's our next era. I don't know if you're so, ready for that. Well, right. Like, that's my question. You know, we we're discussing this as being such a dark time, and it was. It's but not the we, era. The era was great. The well, this, not, this particular year was not amazing. Right. And so I guess, but as far as how we talk about this kind of stuff, 7 and 59 is going to be a lot worse to talk about than this, right? I mean, we may, I, that, is it up for debate? Which one are you going with? It's going to be worse. Yeah. I don't think you can get around that being this, the worst season in NBA history. Uh, by some measurements yeah that's bad the basketball, I mean, just the cloud the over this year yeah. yeah 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 yeah. the cloud over this year if you're just looking at it and you didn't know any of that stuff mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty good year it's a pretty fun time yeah, yeah i'm separating fan. i'm separating the level of basketball that we're going to have to discuss with the level of depression uh that was on my heart that the hornets were leaving <laughs> so that's yeah. that's the distinction but yeah, you can't but that's get why you there. guys are here. You can't get there. You can't get to today with uh, without you know that first run of of the Hornets and then, and then leaving. It's part of it. We we should mention MJ. If things have gone differently, could have been playing on that Hornets team instead of uh, for the Wizards. I mean, he was he was in talks to to get in on that ownership group when all things went awry. Well, yeah, and uh, you talk to us, hey, David. What do you remember about that? I, I haven't really researched that. Um, what do you remember about how close Michael Jordan really was? And what I guess what scared him off was what Shin or or the fact that the the city was already sort of against the idea of the Hornets moving into Uptown. Yeah, I'm not sure. We should go back the next time we come back around to this year and do a little more research on exactly what led to the exit and the and the disagreements on those parties. But I for I thought it was on the other end. I don't think. I mean, I think MJ was in. Uh, had it been, uh, you know, approved or moved forward uh, on the other side, but it's just you know uh, he was looking to get into the game. Uh, I think you were his first look. <laughs> we were his first look, and then he moved on to to the Wizards, and so. 
Dark Lord uh, Shin. Uh, who knows what could have happened had things gone gone the other way. But um, you know, Darth, then he wouldn't have been able to drop. Maybe that's why he dropped fifty one on him. When we, when we do that game, maybe we'll pull that back up. Darth Shin. It's, it's the, the, you talk about the dark times though you're, you're not joking i mean off the court the darkest of dark timelines for a charlotte hornets fan it was it was tough sledding out there okay thanks for joining us here on every hornets box score you can support this podcast and the uh our continuing journey into the history of the charlotte hornets on every hornetsboxscore.com you can subscribe for free but if you want to support uh with one of our paid memberships uh, we would absolutely appreciate it. Also, once the preseason rolls around, I'll be picking up my game notes again, get my uh, crawl inside of my broken brain as I watch all of these Charlotte Hornets games meticulously. Going to be a lot to talk about and analyze as the Charlotte Hornets try to pick up the pieces of this offseason and move forward. Uh, Walker and I do Locked On Hornets every day. Make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, David comes on with us uh, Friday. You going to come on tomorrow? We're, we're taping this on a Thursday. You going to come on Friday, talk some Hornets? Yes. Scheduling allowed. I will be on tomorrow. We can discuss that <laughs> off air. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. For, for my uh, esteemed friends here, Walker and David, I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.